where four teaching friends from across the country who've discovered that if you don't laugh, you cry and lose sight of your why. I'm Deanne. I'm Tracy. And I'm Kathy. And we teach so hard. Welcome to our second take on our second episode, <laughs> featuring children's literature that you can use in our class in your classroom. We have found um, we recorded this episode before, and we found that um, we were having some storm activity in the area, and there are huge chunks that didn't get recorded, um, and we released it, and then we tried to pull it back. So we're, this is our second go at this episode. So stick with us. <laughs> uh, Perfect. Usually, yeah, absolutely. Perseverance, right? Yeah. Persevere with us as we talk about perseverance. <laughs> Usually, every second Tuesday of the month, we teach so hard. We'll be featuring themed children's literature. These special podcasts will be filled with four recommendations and lesson ideas that you can use in your classroom the very next day. So let's get started, ladies. Today we're talking about persevering. It seems like such a timely theme to showcase. New school year, new students, lots of new things to learn. It's so very important for them to keep trying when they don't get something. And we want our kiddos to persevere and not give up. So ladies, let's introduce our four book choices. Okay, well, Kathy? my first, yes, sorry. <laughs> I got so excited I interrupted you. <laughs> <That's all right>. <laughs> <laughs> I arrived. <laughs> There are so many picture books that are awesome for perseverance and growth mindset, but I also love using books that are about real people so kids can see that it's not just this fictional character. So um, many people have heard of Lewis Braille, well, most people, but many may not realize that he was not actually born blind. So mm -hmm. there is this great book by Jen Bryant called Six Dots. It's beautifully illustrated, and it's about mm. the story of... Uh, when Lewis Braille became, or when he became blind, um, and then what he did from that point on. So he was only five when he actually lost his sight in an accident with an awl, you know, an AWL. His dad was a yeah. His dad was a leather worker, and so there were all these tools in his workshop. But what was amazing was the way that he and his family all reacted to this horrible accident. He was so determined to still be like everyone else. And more than anything, he wanted to learn to read. So even when he went to um, school for the blind in Paris, there were no books. So he mm. invented his own mm. alphabet. <laughs> it was a whole new system for writing that could be read by touch. And it's still used today, this many years later. Mm. So he's pretty amazing. So definitely perseverance for him. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I was thinking about how, my gosh, that's like coding 101, right? That's yeah. what he did. When he invented his own. Yeah, that's right. It, to even make that like timely connection for kids, you know, in today's world, they understand coding. So this would be really cool. Yes. That, yeah, that, that was, that just is so amazing to me to how do you even come up with the idea to do that? You know? Right. He was, cool. right. He was so determined, you know, I want to read books and I need to figure out a way. So. Mm, that's so good. Excellent. Well, Deanne, you have a great book choice too. I love this book. I, I can't wait to hear it. about it. <laughs> well, thanks to you, you turned me on to it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, okay. Ruby's Wish by Sharon Yim Bridges. It's about um, a young Chinese girl 
who really, really wants to go to school and to go to university. But during that time in China, girls weren't allowed to do things. They would learn mm-hmm. things about how to take care of the house and that type of thing. And I, you know, I'm so glad I wasn't born back then. <laughs> Seriously. Um, but anyway, <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> but she lived in a, a wealthy household. Her grandfather was pretty rich and, um, they both the boys and girls he was he got tutors for and she was like in her glory mm-hmm. but after a while the girls stopped going to school and learning things because it was more important for them to do the housework mm-hmm. but but ruby decided no you know i'm going to do both which she did so she would do her studies she would work with the tutor and after that she would she would do her housework and learn about that well one day the teacher had her write a poem and it was so good that he showed it to her fa- her grandfather and he realized that she was really unhappy with, with her lot in life. Mm-hmm. And um, she eventually, you know, continued with her education. And she did go to university, just like her grandmother, who she took after. Mm-hmm. And this is a beautiful, like, little picture book with beautiful pictures. And red. She loves the color red. Mm-hmm. But it's a lovely little book. Yeah, the book. And she never. It is. It's a great, it like, is. a mini historical and, fiction book, too. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. It was easy read. And, you know, and the good thing is she really never gave up her dreams and she just kept going. So wonderful. I love how in that book, there's that one um, picture where it shows her late in the night where she's studying because she had to get everything else done first for her, you know, quote unquote girl duties. And it just really shows visually um, her persevering through her dreams. Yeah. What a sacrifice it was for her. Yep. Uh, absolutely. How about you, Tracy? Well, my my book is um, I, I've talked about it. It's so funny because I'm teaching a university class for um, teaching candidates, and then I've used it with them, and I've used it with my kids this past whole week, and now I'm talking about it again. I'm loving this book. <laughs> it's called Emmanuel's <laughs> Dream by. Uh, um, well, let me let me back up. Emmanuel's Dream: The Story of Emmanuel Afosu Yaboa. It's by Laurieann Thompson, and this is not um, a fiction book. This is narrative nonfiction, and so it tells the, the life story of Emmanuel, who was born in Ghana. And when he was born, he was born with one only one leg that worked. His other leg oh, wow. was withered, and. In Ghana, in this time, and this was in the 2000s, early 2000s. So not that long ago. At this time, well, yeah. So he, I think he actually would have been born in like the 90s, but but what happens at the end of the book is in the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. Um, in this time period, though, in Ghana, um, disabled people were considered to be a curse. In fact, um, in my research, the book doesn't talk about this, but in my research, you know, parents were often in and times encouraged to do away with their children if they were born with a defect. Oh no. Um, yeah, it, it's pretty, pretty uh, mind boggling. And his father left the family because of Emmanuel's birth. His mother made the decision to raise him. And she, um, he grew up with her saying to him that he could have anything he wanted, but he would have to work for it. And, um, at that point in time, disabled people didn't go to school, but she carried him to school every day. Oh, wow. When he became too heavy for her to handle, he uh, to, to the weight of him to carry, he hopped two miles to school and on one leg and hopped two miles back every day. 
Oh my God. I can't even imagine so that. He, he was not accepted by, no, wow. he was not accepted by his peers. Um, he wanted to play soccer with them. And he did, he, he uh, shined shoes and he saved his money and bought a soccer ball and brought it to school. And his, none of his classmates had a soccer ball. So he said they could play with it if he could play with them. And so at that point, his grandmother had um, scavenged some crutches for him. And there's actually video online of him playing soccer on crutches with one leg. Um, Okay. So I could see that. I was picturing before with nothing. How do you do that? He, he, anyway, he has all these little obstacles that, well, big obstacles that he overcomes. And then his mother becomes sick and she can't work anymore. And so to support her and his siblings, he, at, at the age of 13, gets on a bus travels two hours away to the city of Accra and looks for work. And, you know, at this point, the expectation is that if you're disabled, you beg. That's what you do. That's your lot in life. And he refuses to beg. He finally finds someone who will give him a job, and he is able to send money back to his mother. Eventually, though, she becomes so sick, he goes back to see her. And her last words to him are, um, don't ever beg, take care of your family, and don't give up. And so he takes those words as a personal charge, and he writes a, through missionaries, he writes the um, Challenged Athletes Association, which is located in San Francisco, California. He has this dream, this idea, and they send him a bike, because that was one of the things he learned to do, was ride a bike with one leg. That's And um, they send him what he needs, and he gets support, and he bikes across Ghana 400 miles in 10 days. And he's ridiculed, but eventually he gets a following. He becomes a national hero. And disabled people all over the country see what he is able to do. And people who aren't disabled see, you know, what he's able to do. And he changes the perception of disabled people in his country by doing what he does. How do you... How do you ride a bike with one leg and stay balanced and everything? He does. And he ties ties his other leg to the bike frame and then bikes with the good leg. Um, But he also, now he has grown up and he has a prosthetic that he uses. But he has a foundation and his dream is to create schools where disabled children are accepted and can go to school. Um, He has a foundation set up. And so... Um, at the end of my blog post, you can you can see stuff like that. There's there's two YouTube videos and wow. the link and to his about, foundation. Talk so about like cool. not just his perseverance, well, but of his the strength and belief of his mom. Right, like just the power of that. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. And then, oh. yeah, and she named him Emmanuel because the name the meaning of the name is God is with us. When everyone else thought oh, he was wow. a curse. And then her name, oh. I love her name. Her name was Comfort. Oh, wow. That's so beautiful. It, it's a beautiful name. Where is he now? Do you know? I, is I he... believe he's still in Ghana. Um, okay. Yeah, I believe he's still in Ghana. But you can go on to this these YouTube links in my blog and um, and, and he'll talk. He talks. He's being interviewed. <gasps> Excuse me. And he talks about the um, his experience and and what it means to be disabled. Right. And that dis- disability does that not he's mean someone unable. current too. Yeah, so that's pretty cool. That's yeah. yes, absolutely. Well, and I was thinking about how you know 
um, we've kind of like in our perseverance books, we've painted a very diverse picture of mm-hmm. perseverance. And I love that. So now let's talk about what activities we would see ourselves doing with our books. Well, with um, my book, Emmanuel's Dream, one of the things that I've done, um, I've used the four C's visible thinking um, routine this past week with my kids. And what a four C's is, is the four quadrant kind of way of thinking about books. Um, There's the connection quadrant, the challenge quadrant, where you challenge something in the story or a character's decisions or actions. There's the concepts um, section, which is um, what are the big overarching important ideas in the book? And then change. How did your thinking change because of the book? And this is a very powerful routine. And I use this all year long with my kids. In fact, my team has a smart goal with using this because it talks, it supports reading comprehension in so many ways. Um, And in terms of literacy practices, if you were to look at the essential literacy practices, you could just check them right off. It's the four or five literacy practices. It's insane how many um, literacy practices and standards are addressed with that organizer. And so we go through that and and I've actually... um, we share our thinking. And then one of the goals we're working on is looking for evidence from the story. And so then I teach them how to find the evidence. So, so we've done that. And then we've also done a personal writing where we talk about, write about a time when you felt different. Um, what does it mean to be different? And that being different can be a positive thing, but sometimes it can be perceived as a negative thing. And so how do we cope with that? And how is that different? I mean, how, how are those two things different? Um, so the stories that I've heard are just wonderful. Um, and one, I mean, and some of them are heartbreaking, but they're sharing. And that's, I have one child who lost his father a few years ago and he said, well, I don't know if this is appropriate to write about. And I said, well, tell me what your idea is. And he said, well, um, when I'm at events, you know, where dads are involved and I'm the only one there without a dad. I feel really, really different, and it's really, really hard. And I said, "Wow, but perfectly acceptable to write about that." Yeah, feel different, absolutely. Yeah, you know. So, wow. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, and you don't want to stop that. So that was, you know, that was not. In fact, what was what was cool was I could say to him, "Yeah, you know." I wasn't a kid when my lost my mom, but I can tell you that the first couple Mother's Days after my mom died, I felt really different and I didn't know what to do with myself. It felt really weird and awful and sad. So I get what you're saying. And so we can kind of have like that moment because that's a universal experience. Everyone has those moments when they lose someone they love. Mm Mm-hmm. And if you can relate it to the kids so they know that they're not right. alone. as deep as yours then. <laughs> I'm still so thinking Kathy, about what you yours. So, Kathy, what do you like, do with wow, your book in the, wow. the six dots? Um, I, I know, but I, I, it's now made me have more food for thought there. So uh, we actually start to do some activities that try to um, put them in the shoes 
of Lewis Braille, <laughs> of you know what it's like to not be able to read or to communicate. And so through the Braille Institute, there's one um, not too far from us. Yeah. They actually gave um, gave me a class set of I'm not sure what they're called, like Braille learning cards, where you know what that's and it's interesting that he was um, injured with his all with that all, but to make these uh-huh. Braille the Braille alphabet, you use a stylus, which is kind of similar. I d- it just dawned on me right now. Um, but the Braille wow. alphabet is made with what's called a six frame, six dots. Ah. And depending on where those yeah. dots are poked out, it makes the different yeah. various letters. And so what we do is we we mm-hmm. give those cards to the kids to just mm-hmm. um, use and to try out and see if they can close their eyes and see if they can tell what wow. the different alphabet is. And mm-hmm. then they write their own name out using split peas. So, you know, you get like split peas are flat on the bottom. So they can glue it on and then they practice reading their name. They like to do other, you know, other words around the room oh, or whatever it is. And then we take wow. a tour around the school oh, because wow. pretty much every public facility has to have Braille on the different signage. So like all of our classrooms have our, you know, I'm room nine. But if you go to my classroom plate, there's the Braille dots mm-hmm. for room nine. Uh, you know, the bathrooms, all, the bathrooms have them, the office yeah. has it. Um, so they can just start to explore to see how is it used for in real life. And then mm-hmm. how amazing it was that he can come up with this, that now it's yeah. international. Everybody uses the system. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. It- it is amazing. Yes. Have you ever tried like uh, blindfolding kids and having kids lead each other they around? They do. And, and then when they start to um, complain how hard it is, we say, you know, that's when we go back to reinforce the stuff. perseverance yeah, part. I've done that too. It's, right. It's, well, they, are we just going to give really up? Are we just going to sit around, you know? Yeah. What's um, going on? It really opens, opens their eyes. No, no pun intended there. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. <laughs> No, chapter. I'm thinking about how cool it would be. You could do a total project-based learning thing like that, where you challenge the kids to come up with their own alphabet system, um, like Lewis Braille did. Um, but this one, you know, you can choose wow. a disability that they would have. So, how would you create a system so that, that someone would, with this yeah, disability that would be right. could read, or someone who has yep. talk, or that's great idea and that's (laughs) i love it it's early coding 101 right there and that's it and it's kind of cool to see the codes that they is. and this is why you need people to brainstorm Um, with right because you think oh right you guys keep making me want to go back to school (laughs) (laughs) absolutely yes Absolutely. Yeah, that's a great idea. And Dan, yeah. what about you? What would you do with Ruby's Wish? Well, first of all, I have to compliment you elementary teachers Yay. because when the kids come to me in middle school, they do have a love for reading. And I know yes. hopefully some of them started with their parents, but you guys just just help them with it so, so much. It's it's really it's good. So three cheers for <laughs> elementary. <laughs> well, what I would do to, before I would read the book is I would um, start with a quote. I put this uh, wonderful quote by Martin Luther King mm-hmm. on the board. <laughs> and uh, it is, if you can fly, if you- Come on, persevere, if you can fly, <laughs> then run. If, if you can't walk, wait a minute, I'm not saying it right. <laughs> I'm going to start again. 
Yes. Okay. Yes. If you can't fly, then run. If you can't run, then walk. If you can't walk, then crawl. But whatever you do, you have mm-hmm. to keep moving forward. It's an so, oh, I would. So I would start the discussion with that. Then we would read the book, and then I would ask them what it means to persevere, and tell them to look for examples in the book as about how um, Ruby mm-hmm. persevered. And then we discussed the fact that she never gave up her dream. And how the yes. how it was so different between boys and girls, and this young girl did not want to be like that, so she just really continued to mm-hmm. do what she wanted and um, um, made it to the university. You know, I was thinking how that book would be great, a great addition for any um, women's studies, uh, women's um, history month, you know, um, when because yes, they do that in elementary, and and I've heard of some even Tracy, middle school teachers you, you doing know what it. You do for a next, po- kind of next one, but an upcoming podcast. It just reminded me, companion. you always have so many suggestions really when you would. hear something, but yes. we could do like book pairings, like wine mm-hmm. pairing, but book pairing. Yeah. Ooh, yes. Okay, so we're gonna think about that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yes. Oh, I like. Yeah, great idea. Okay, mm-hmm. we're going to put that in your back pocket and think about that one. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. You know, and then I was she thinking, talk about book pairings. I love that. You could put um, the Malala picture books with Ruby's <laughs> Wish. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. That would be a good one. Yes. <laughs> okay. All right. We got, we got something to think about now. All right. If you're our listeners, I'm sorry. We're yes. still, we still know you're there, but we can't help ourselves. <laughs> Okay, so we've (laughs) talked about discussion strategies and learning activities, but we all know, which is our next section, Kathy, we're kind of in it already. Some of the most powerful things that you can do with a book is to make personal, textual, or world connections. So what are some other things that you could see yourself connecting your book to? Well, I'm sure everyone's familiar with that old children's classic. I mean, I don't know when it came out, maybe the 30s or 40s even, The Little Engine That Could. You know, about that little blue engine. <laughs> it's so cute. I, I still use it, though, but has that self-talk of I think I can, I think I can. Yeah. Um, and it, I, mm, I just pictured, you know, mm-hmm. Louis Braille, like, I think I can, I think I can, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, even though people, yeah. people probably wanted to give up on him, just like with the manual, people didn't think he could do anything, right? Just because he was born with one working uh, leg. Uh-huh. Um, so- I, I guess my my idea is just to continue. This is not just a one time unit. Mm-hmm. It pretty much continues throughout the year, mm-hmm. um, and just finding those role models and examples. And actually, in my blog post, I found some other really great little mini biography picture books. Right. Again, about people who overcome these obstacles. So definitely check out the post. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I love it. Well, definitely. I'm so funny because I'm thinking about what I said the last time we tried to record this episode and it's totally. So, well, I would still like, like to get my hands on the, your book, Kathy, because I think that putting a manual next to Lewis Braille would be a fascinating comparison. Even though there's like, you know, Mm -hmm. over a hundred years between them, if not more. The thing is, is that they both had um, a disability, you know, were vi- viewed as disabled and they both did something that totally changed the world for disabled, disabled people. So um, 
I would love to do that. But then I found, I did this unit, uh, well, my focus for my entire school year is leadership. And so I'm always sharing books about people who exhibit leadership skills. And so there's this beautiful book um, called Nelson Mandela. It's his name. The illustrations are incredible. And I cannot remember the author right now, but I will oh, tell you that like just a close the up of cover face? of it is so arresting. I mean, it's like, wow, because it's Nelson's face. The whole cover is Nelson's face. Beautiful. Oh. oh, yeah. It's a painting of him. And it's like, wow, it's very attention grabbing. And so it tells the story of Nelson and how... Um, it go, he, you know, he perseveres and, and basically, you know, how he becomes president and of South right. Africa and how he, you know, keeps going through 27 years of imprisonment um, of how he, quote unquote, keeps the faith, right, of, of what the goal is to end our par- apartheid. Um, so it was, it's just a really powerful book that tells his life. Um, it's definitely biographical. But I thought, you know, that's a really cool way to, to, there are two characters that had different goals, different struggles, but they're in the same part of the world and they both have huge things that they're overcoming. I love it. And And, and their actions change the world. So I started that as my next read and focus and we're doing a compare contrast is where we're headed on that. So I then you know how sometimes kids can overgeneralize, awesome. so they may think, yeah. "Oh, well, you have to persevere if you have physical difficulties." But then, you know, this Nelson Mandela book and your book, Deanne, yeah. aren't about that at all, right? It's just how to overcome mm-hmm. these other challenges. So it's great to have that array of uh, choices. Yeah. No. No. Yes. Yeah. Yes, yes. Uh, You know, speaking of handicapped kids, years ago when I was in school, um, I went, it was over a summer and I worked with different types of handicaps at camps and things. And what an eye opener. My heart just broke for the the physically handicapped kids. It was just so sad, but they had the best attitude. I mean, they taught them how to play sports, basketball and all these things. It was just Well, and that's because they, with those experiences, they don't think of themselves as disabled. Um, those experiences mm-hmm. help them think, help them make that shift to realize that they are able, but they're That's able true. in different ways. Um, mm-hmm. I have this um, this other student that we had um, when in sixth grade. She oh. had serious, serious heart issues with you know heart, lung, and everything. She was always in and out of the hospital, and we thought that she wasn't going to survive, but she's she's still kicking, and she's on Facebook now, and she's about thirty. I mean, she still has. You know, she still has her issues, Megan. She's the sweetest girl. And I, I look at this and I think, oh, my God, I could not live like that. But this girl is persevering like and anything. That's, that's the thing amazing. that's powerful with the theme of perseverance for kids is that we all have had those moments where we look at someone else, someone else's struggle and say, I couldn't do that. But the thing is, is by yes, looking at yes. stories like this and introducing our students to people's stories, we find out that you know what you can they do have it. it in them. You do yes. what you are called to do yes. because you have to do it, and and yeah. and that's an important thing for kids and adults to realize. Yes. You know, we all say that stuff. But you have it in them. That's right. You never that's right. are. You you will always be surprised by what you are capable of if you can if you can switch your that's mindset. True. 
Oh, it's so cute. That's it. Yeah, it's so, so important Dan, to do that. So, what's your text connection? Because you had an interesting one. Yes, I um I found this little book called The Most Magnificent Thing by Ashley yeah. Spires. It's about a little a little girl. Yeah, it's so cute. It really is. A little girl who wants to make something magnificent that nobody else has made. And she and her dog, you know, walking down the street and they pick up pieces of things. And through trial and error, they put things together. And at first she doesn't succeed and she gets frustrated. She gets real angry at one point. But she does invent something unexpected. I, I don't want to tell you what it is oh, because yeah. you have to read this little book. But adorable illustrations. And uh, I just love the little book. And this could pave the way for a STEM activity for kids in your class to create something that's magnificent, just like uh, she it. did in the book. So <laughs> fabulous book, too. I love read. it. Yes. Well, our listeners, yeah. this is all we have time for today. So we hope that you've enjoyed our first or our second theme book talk and our second take of our second theme book talk as much as we can. Be sure to check out our blogs because some of us have written more about these books. Well, all of us have, and we've shared resources. Retta, you might have noticed, wasn't with us today. Um, she wasn't able to, to do the second take with us as she had some other commitments, but her blog is also Fabulous. She has some fabulous book recommendations you need to check and some free resources there. Um, also, check out our blog links in the show notes. Uh, Deanne and Kathy and I have also um, created some resources for you. Yeah. <laughs> and um, you don't want to miss this. We've got some fabulous ideas. Be sure to tune in next week for our discussion on using humor in the classroom. And when we say that, yes. we mean like on purpose, not like. The way I use humor, which is by accident, but that's okay. No, on purpose humor. Using that in the classroom is a powerful tool, and we're going to be talking about that. If you like what you hear, give us a shout out, leave a comment, or rate us on your listening platform, and come back because you teach so hard. Mm-hmm.